Hi, I'm Kelly Shan and this is my podcast, Life Journey. I hope you find some inspiration and happiness for your own life in the words and experience from my guests. This episode is proudly brought to you by Interpart, the joint health experts. Foresight joint supplements keep your animal's joints in top shape and Interpath even has Osteo Restore for you. If you'd like to find out more, head to www.interpath.global or ask at your local vet. Anthony Hart is a man on a mission, spreading the word about better mind health to audiences throughout Australia. What sets Anthony apart from others with a similar message is that his experience is very real having survived an attempt on his own life in 2003. Suicide is the biggest killer of people in Australia between the ages of 15 to 44, and of those, 75% of men. Anthony is living proof that it is possible to find your way out of the darkness and to move on to live a happy, fulfilling and rewarding life. So thank you, Anthony, so much for joining me today. Thank thank you for inviting me. Sharing your story, which I think is such an important one to tell. So, Anthony, um, you were living in London with your fiancé and you were successful, weren't you, by all stretch, by any stretch of the Yeah, so I, I, I lived there for three years. I'd kind of landed on my feet and got a got a unique job um, importing brand new cars from Europe into England. Mm-hmm. And uh, think of those three things in life. I had a good income. I had great partner. I had the funds to go and do holidays to Europe and stuff like that. And I was 24. Mm-hmm. I, life was, uh, everything was in front of me. So I um, had a really good three years. And you said earlier you were quite prudent during that time also, so you saved a lot of money and and had done very well for yourself. Yeah, I, look, I saved up and I, I'd, you know, proudly saved money up and sent money back to Dad to buy me a house in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I bought a house in the UK. Mm-hmm. And as I talk about, it, not so much about the money, but I was achieving things in my life and just feeling positive and getting ahead you know it was my first real part of my life where i'd forged ahead professionally and personally so things were going well yeah and you had a very beautiful looking woman by your side i i still do she's now my wife and i got three three beautiful kids yeah so anthony you came back you were 28 um when did things start to turn south for you Uh, yeah pretty much as soon as i arrived back you know i'd I was working in London, uh, just outside of London. Uh, it was March 2003. I got an email from my best mate, Corey, and he was having a barbecue with all of his friends uh, and my friends. And, I th- and it was on the whim of that that I thought, I'm going to leave and come back. And so I landed back into Adelaide, not thinking that the job was so important mm. uh, and that I'd settle myself back into Adelaide. But of course, month after month went by I started to, not that my mates were judging me, but I started to compare myself against my network, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the job title that I got, the income level, and I, I wasn't stacking up. I had to start again pretty much because of the local market, mm. and I was, wasn't prepared to take two steps back and do a job just to get on the rung and start again. And, yeah. and, and over those four years, I think my friends had certainly um, promoted through jobs, and I just felt that that, that sense of worth uh, and accomplishment had kind of dropped off. And so, go on, sorry. I, I, I know, I was just going to say, I guess coming back, 
your friends all had their networks and and were forging ahead in their careers where you really had to start again, even though you had money behind you. Yeah. And I, you know, I started to do a few things. Number one, I started to withdraw. Mm-hmm. So socially, I just wouldn't go out. Mm. And if if I didn't, if I did go out, I would make sure that uh, I'd limit the time I went to the pub or the f- to watch the football. And if I if I could have a few beers before I got there, mm-hmm. which would make me happier and calmer, mm-hmm. I'd certainly do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started to. I think then I, you know, fast forward three or four months, the ability to sleep started to go, and those three or four things that were worrying me, which was getting a job, securing myself, and making making sure that Zoe, my partner, was happy. Yeah. You know, these are things that I just over-worried, you know. So would you just wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to go back to sleep and just churn everything over and over in your head? Yeah, exactly that. And it might be two, three o'clock where in fear, you know, I'd wake up and I'd never forget those nights where I'd look across at the clock and see it's 2.30. Or three o'clock, and that's. I'd had enough sleep from ten till two, mm. or three three o'clock to to not have to go back to sleep, yeah. and then you're fresh and you start thinking about those things that are going around in your head. Mm. Uh, that was the start of I, I think the period where I had to seek urgent help because without sleep you just can't. Because yeah. that happens function. to a lot of people, you know, wait that waking up in the middle of the night and just. Thinking and and blow, and you you end up blowing things out of proportion a lot of the times, don't you? Oh, you, you know, do. Making it. a mountain out of my yeah, 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 you yeah. do. So, Anthony, you were offered eventually offered a job and and you had to go to Sydney. Yes. For training. So yes. Tell me about what happened there. Um, so I took took that flight over to Sydney uh, almost a week and a half prior. I'd, I'd finally gone to the GP, bluffed my way through. Uh, a consult with a GP to, to get given a medication um, for an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. So I'd just been put on the medication, secured a job in Sydney, training in Sydney for a job back in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And I, I went over there. Um, it was pretty apparent from day one that absorbing new information to a brand new company mm-hmm. when you're critically unwell, um, you just can't do it. Yeah. And And I think after three or four days, I worked out pretty pretty swiftly that I wouldn't get through that course. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I always say that the human body always tries to kind of ride itself and get through. You think you can always just push through. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so you, you were at a lecture, uh, at a training session, weren't you? And you were actually asked to leave because they thought you were drunk. And this was in the morning. It was, yeah. It was uh, like, so go fast forward to the ninth day, the second week. You're right. I'd had, I'd had nine or 10 nights of no sleep, maybe an hour or two, but that's yeah, it. not and enough. No, not enough. You can't function. And I, you know, I went on that Friday, November 7th, to North Sydney. So I was staying in Circular Quay. I got the ferry across to the MLC building. Um, I either appeared drunk or on drugs, and they asked me to leave at about 11.30. Yeah. And they said, look, go home fresh. Do you know what you were doing? Like what? No, I was doing a... Uh, like, um, why did what made them think that? How were you coming across? I, I was coming across 
falling asleep, tired, um, probably appeared to look like I was drunk. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you weren't being obnoxious or anything? No, no there was no, just... I, it was the reverse. It was silence. Yes. Uh, they'd ask me questions and I wouldn't even answer. Yeah, okay. And I think they quickly surmised that things weren't right. It, this guy needs to go and have some rest. Yeah. Uh, and and duty, of, duty of care was, let's get him, send him home yeah. and get some sleep. We've got a dinner that night at the bank. And uh, so that's what I did. Went back to the hotel and, and really tried to get some sleep, but it, it was too late. Mm. So... You found yourself, you wanted. You were going to go for a swim on the rooftop, so you went... Yeah, I was. I, my, my plan was to go for... It was to. I did try and ring the GP twice. The phone call didn't get through. I. So were you feeling desperate by this I, I was. I, I think I was de- absolutely desperate in the point where I knew I couldn't continue and I needed help. And, and I, I finally rang that doctor, and if, if I did that... Three or four months prior, at the start, I, I wouldn't have got to that state. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I then let, put my shorts on to go and burn out some energy. So I went up to the roof for a swim. Um, and, and, you know, in lots of forums, we don't mention the method or means, but I was up there to, to go for a swim. Um, you know, it was, it was the most beautiful, picturesque environment. And, and it was there that I made a, a significant attempt on my life. So, Anthony, was it premeditated? Did you... No. Or it, were you just standing there and thought, I'll dive into the pool? No, I, why not I'll go and jump off? Yeah, I, look, I, um, I, always say, I always say that people just want the pain to go away mm. or I just wanted the pain to go away. And, and, and I think added to that sleep deprivation... Um, and and chronic fatigue, just being so tired, yeah. so depressed. Um, I I just wasn't able to. It's hard. You, your body isn't control isn't control of what you're doing when yeah. you're at that state. So did you have a, any comprehension that that's what you were doing? No, thing? no. I look. I had. Um, I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that in those three or four days leading up to my suicide attempt that that I just needed to get some help, you know. Yeah. And, but even in those last few days, asking for help was just a no, was a taboo. Yeah. Because we're talking like 15 years ago too. Yeah, yeah. 16 years ago, obviously, it, it still is a taboo subject, even though lots has been talked about. Yeah. Um, the stigma and, and shame attached to this stuff not that it should be, but there is a perception that you can't go and get help for stuff that is is, is not physical. It's it's around the mind. Yeah, because I, I um in one of the when I was doing my research about you and um I read where and it just made so much sense. If you have a broken ankle or even if you have something going on inside you, you can get a scan. Um, and it's quite, you know, people know, oh, well, that's Anthony has a problem with his kidneys or, you know, poor old Anthony has a broken ankle. But when it's in your mind, there's no way of knowing. Nobody knows unless you come out with it. Unless you talk about it. And, you, and you're dead right. It's, it's, an inj- it's, a, it's an injury or an illness. Yeah. And the doctor had no chance of getting me properly on the path to recovery. I, I simply in eight minutes gave her what I thought would not get me into more meetings with a psychiatrist or a psychologist, like 
to really sort out the issues. I wanted a quick fix, which was a medication. Mm. And so, um, you know, I always use the word mind health. Yeah. You know, for the program I developed in recovery is a life backtracker, four steps to better mind health. And you don't even have to be suffering from a mental health illness to get benefit from it. Yeah. You know, it's um, the stigma, in my opinion, the wording needs to change. Um, Yes, it's a mental health illness category, but I think in all the messaging and marketing, we've got to stop using that that word. Call it mind health, because mm. mind health is exactly what mental health is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that it's term, a, phrase, mind health. Yeah. 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 So, um, Anthony, when you, you when did you first? comprehend that that's what you've done that uh, look, I, look I woke up two and a half weeks later um, and you know third party had told me what what had happened now I'd, I hadn't realized that I'd tried to make an attempt on my life I I, um, I was still happy when I woke up and and um, you know I, I, I really come back to sleep deprivation for six or seven nights yeah. with no sleep yeah um, being on a medication that wasn't suited for me, yeah. that actually made me feel worse. Yeah. And that's a known thing with medications. And thirdly, the shame to even ask for help. Even the GP in the end, I, you know, that I tried to call, I, you know, still really didn't want to. Yeah. And I could have made more persistent phone calls. Yeah, yeah. So... And I guess these days you wouldn't have to make those persistent phone calls because people are, you know, the medical profession, I think... Are, really very much onto it aren't they oh absolutely they have any inkling that you're struggling absolutely and i and i think processes have come a long way um and but you know i i I don't lay any criticism towards what happened in the process because Mm. i even to the end i i covered up with the receptionist at the gp yeah when i rang back again she said is everything okay and i said yeah it is yeah yeah. So, so Anthony, looking back now, and and the life you have, like you've got a full life, you've got a beautiful wife, three children. Do you think, oh my gosh, what what could I did I nearly miss out on? Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, yeah, I, I I think the only takeaway I get is that I have periods where, like my triggers are the I I get incredible pain with the injuries that I sustained. I also have an acquired brain injury and sometimes it gets me down for a little bit and I but it doesn't really you know I might think about it for an hour or a couple of hours or a couple of days but then I pull myself back to think what's the alternative yeah you know I I should have I shouldn't be here I should have lost my life and um, I'm pretty lucky oh yeah yeah and no and your family are too absolutely so Anthony what do you say to people who are struggling I, now. And I, really importantly that there are, there are basic things that you can do straight away to make yourself feel that little bit better to be able to confront this stuff. And so I always talk about the three things, cutting out the alcohol, rest, reduce or remove it. Um, you're going to feel heaps better. Um, number two, choose an exercise that you love doing. It's got to get your heart rate up, but go and do exercise. Mm-hmm. And you can do it starting today. Um, number three is really work on that sleep, getting good, consistent sleep. 
which is easy to say, but uh, one of those one of those things about the talking, which is my fourth step, is that if you share the problem with a close friend, really close friend that isn't in your network, go straight to your doctor and actually be honest with them. Yeah, that's going to help with your sleep. So alcohol, exercise, sleep, and talking are the four things that I, without giving too much, yeah, yeah you know, it's yeah. do one or two of those things. Yeah and start on your way back to recovery because this is a temporary feeling and situation that's temporary, it can be fixed. Uh, In 80% of mental health illnesses that are anxiety and depression based, you can actually manage and and maintain how you're feeling. Yeah. If you'd like to find out more about Anthony or book one of your road shows or take part in Anthony has a great lot it's called life backtracker yeah life lifebacktracker.com so um, that's four steps to better mind health but uh, all the information's on there yeah and anthonyheart.com.au or right. it's a pretty almost it's anthony hyphen heart heart without the e so h a r t.com.au Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm glad you're here to tell the story. So am I. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to my interview. If you'd like to hear more from Life Journey, subscribe to our podcast and we'll let you know when we have new interviews coming up.